Hey, Scott. Hello. Can you hear me okay? I can hear you. Can you hear me? I can hear you perfectly. Very nice. Well, this is a pleasant surprise. It doesn't usually go this smooth right away. Oh, good. <laughs> <laughs> you sound very clear, too, so that's excellent. Okay, good. Hello, and welcome to episode nine of the Juice Box Podcast. I'm going to try to record this opening with Basil asleep nest next to me, snoring away, if you can hear him or not. This episode is a conversation with a couple, a husband and wife, Christina and Greg Dooley. They are from inspiredbyisabella.com. Isabella is their four-year-old daughter who is a triplet and was diagnosed with type 1 diabetes around the age of two. It's a really interesting conversation. First, I talk to the mom, and then she hands the microphone over to the dad, and we follow up with some questions for him, even do a couple of newlywed-style uh, questions, see which one of them counts carbs better. All right, let's do it. Remember, everything you hear here on the Juice Box Podcast, here, here, I keep believe I keep saying that. Anything you hear on the Juice Box Podcast does not constitute advice, medical or otherwise. Please consult a physician before making any changes to your medical plan. There's no kids here, so that's that's part of the reason. All, all I have is Basil snoring in the background, which may or may not come over the microphone. It's hard to tell. <laughs> um, so we're just going to get right going, if that's okay. Sounds good. All right. I'll tell you what, let's start here. Why don't you introduce yourself? Okay. Uh, I'm Christina, and I'm the mom of uh, Isabella, who has type 1 diabetes, and she was diagnosed in August of 2012. She's four now. She was almost two when she was diagnosed. Um, Isabella is actually a triplet, and we live in Ohio. Well, Christina, I can tell that you're accustomed to sharing with people. Yes. <laughs> I have my elevator, my, my, my elevator speech already prepared. <laughs> you just, you just breezed right through my first number of questions. So we're, we're, we're rolling right along. So oh, that was, that was the quickest interview ever. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Thank you very much. And we'll talk to you later. So, okay. So Isabella's just about two or just turned two when she was diagnosed and mm -hmm. you guys weren't living in the country when that happened. Where were you? We were living in Mexico City. We were expats, um, and we were on assignment there for about a year and a half. And uh, Isabella and her brother and sister, they were actually born in Argentina. So we we moved to Mexico when they were about a year and a half. So we had only been there for maybe seven or eight months when she was diagnosed. How is the care there compared to the care here? Very different. And uh, I would say that in terms of the biggest difference is just the relationships that we had with our endocrinologist when we were in Mexico City. Um, he's actually somebody that we still keep in touch with on a regular base, basis. We're mm -hmm. Facebook friends, um, which is odd, <laughs> <laughs> but it works for us. Um, but the care was, was excellent. Uh, Isabella was in the hospital for four days when she was diagnosed. And then after that, uh, the great thing was one of the biggest differences, I would say, in healthcare between the U.S. and at least from our experience in Latin America is that you have more direct access to your physicians. And so we had our, our endos cell phone number. We could text him. We could call him um, directly as opposed to going through the hospital, which was obviously upon diagnosis. We were sent home. And I always say to, to Greg, my husband, that when they told us we could go home after four days, I, I 
truly, I was in shock. I couldn't believe that they were letting us leave with Isabella and expecting us to, to know what to do. And I can say that having his cell phone number, he, you know, he didn't seem at all annoyed by the numerous texts and messages that he received over probably the next two weeks from us. Um, yeah, that's really, you know, so Arden was diagnosed when we were away on vacation. So, so the doctor at the, at the children's hospital was, you know, certain that we weren't going to have like, you know, she wasn't going to have an appointment right away with her, what was going to be her endocrinologist moving forward. And she did the same thing. She gave us a cell phone number. And I remember the very first night, like, you know, waking up at a certain time of night to check her blood sugar and, you know, looking at the meter and the strips and really just being pretty freaked out. And I, ca- I called her and woke her up at like three o'clock in the morning. I'm like, I'm so sorry. I just need to make sure. Am I doing this right? And, you know, she was so good about it. And, oh, yeah. and that that's excellent. Yeah, because you're right here. It's more like, you know, you get to see the doctor once every three months and then that's the end of it. Mm-hmm. And we, and we love our, we love our doctor that we have sure. now, but we've, we've gone, we, we are on our, our third endocrinologist since we've been back in the U S in, we've only been back for two years. Because and so, of moving or because you didn't like the ones you had? Um, a combination of, uh, just in terms of difference in personalities with the first one. And then our second one, she actually relocated. We did like her a lot. We, and, and then through the the diabetes community here in Northeast Ohio, we got some rec- recommendations of different endos from people who had kids that were younger. And I think that's probably one of the biggest things that was hard for us when we moved back here was our endocrinologist in Mexico was fantastic with younger kids. You know, we, we walked, he walked in the room and Isa was the first person he talked to. He, you know, didn't, didn't acknowledge sure. us at first. Um, when we came here, our, our first endocrinologist, I think was much more adept at dealing with older kids and, and really didn't pay much attention to Isabella. And so this, the one that we have now, we, we really adore. She's fantastic with these. So we're really happy. So tell me. So my question is then if, because you had an endo that you, that you didn't get along with for whatever reason and, mm-hmm. you know, and you moved on, I see so many people online talk about having like struggles with their endocrinologist, but they stay with them and stay with them and stay with them. How long after you decided this this doctor's not right for us, did you bolt? And was it a conversation you had or did you send an email or how did you break that off? I think people would be in- <laughs> I think people would be interested in that. Like, you know, in a world where you can now break up a relationship over a text message, how do you leave a doctor? <laughs> well, we we actually we only had two appointments, um, with that doctor before I would say we knew after the first appointment, what right. we thought, you know, we'll do, we'll give it one more shot because again, we were coming off having an endo for the first year after diagnosis. That was, I mean, it, it was a high bar. For, it was really high bar. Yeah, yeah. And so, um, you know, moving back and not, and having a certain level of expectation about the relationship. And we knew we weren't going to get that, you know, we knew she wasn't going to give us her cell phone number, but, right. uh, but we were expecting at least the personality that we would be able to connect. And that didn't happen at the first visit. And then after the second visit, it was clear that that wasn't going to happen. And so we actually changed even, um, even hospitals. So we, we changed from the Cleveland clinic to university hospitals, which is another great hospital system in Cleveland. Um, and, and then the second, the second endo we had, um, you know, truthfully, we never, we never had a breakup conversation with the first one. (laughs) Just never made another appointment. Yeah. Just kind of never. Yeah. We just, we, we just never, exactly. We never made another appointment. Um, and then, 
the 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 I guess karma that played out was uh, Isabella has been hospitalized once with DKA, and the attending endo was the one that we left. So okay, what's up? Uh, so we did see her again, um, and the funny thing is that she uh, really she didn't she didn't recognize us. She didn't remember us. So that, that's good. So it was, so it was fine. Obviously, yeah. we didn't we didn't leave any scars there. So, so. <laughs> so now with hindsight, still very happy and comfortable that you made the change. Yeah, very, extremely happy that we made the change because um, even though we changed to an endo, that we it, truthfully the second one we saw, we only saw her maybe twice, maybe three times, and then she ended up relocating to Denver. So um, we decided to go back to the Cleveland Clinic because of some referrals from some other families that we met, and we're really happy. You know, the one that we're with right now, um, truthfully, she she was referred not only by some families that we met in Cleveland, but we went to the Children with Diabetes Friends for Life conference last summer and in, in talking with um uh, you you've probably seen uh Mila the Feder family who has the Jaime Midosi Guerrero blog yes um, I don't know what any of that means but okay. yes <laughs> it means <laughs> my sweet warrior that's what oh. Dulce Guerrero means um and her son's name is Jaime and we met them at the Friends for Life conference and we told them that we were in the process of ch changing endos and and she said actually uh a friend of mine who's an endo here in Orlando has an endo friend at the Cleveland clinic. And she told us we met this endo and she, she told us the name of the doctor. He said, that's the one that everyone's raving about in Cleveland. So it ended up, we had another, you know, really good referral from another endocrinologist as well. Yeah. So it worked out well. So, okay, well, that's, that's cool because I think people should have the courage to trust their gut on stuff like that. And it's, it's nice to hear that it worked out well for you. And, and I'm, yeah. gl I'm glad you're able to share that with people. I have a question about Isabella being a triplet. So, okay. so, um, <laughs> I, I, I always, I, I sort of expected that my wife and I were probably going to have three children. I think that was our plan. Mm -hmm. And then when Arden was diagnosed, we sort of backed off of that plan. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, you have three, one has type one, have you taken the other two to trial net for testing to see if they have the genetic marker that predisposes them for type one? We did. We actually did it last summer at the Friends for Life conference. All five of us actually did the trial net. And I would say that that three months or four months afterwards was, was a long time waiting. It felt yeah. like, um, to get the results. And the other two came back negative as did Greg and I, and would we do it again? Absolutely. I think we'll continue to do it. Um, the first year we went to the friends for life conference after it was the first summer after Issa was diagnosed, we actually went and picked up the paperwork to fill out, to do it. And every day we'd say, okay, today we're going to go do it. And we didn't do it. And by the end of the conference, we still hadn't done it. And I don't know if that was something just, you know, that we internally had made that decision. We weren't going to do it or right. it just, we truly didn't have time. Um, but we talked with a lot of other families who had done it. We also talked with, um, you know, doctors and researchers and different people during the conference and after. And we decided that for us, we don't know that anything would be that different if, if one of the other kids tested positive, you know, if it came back positive. But what we do know is that by doing the trial net, I felt like we really truly are helping aid research, you know, and I, there's right. not a lot of research that's been done into the, um, the, I, I guess the likelihood of multiples 
um, with type one, obviously genetics is something that they're always testing, you know, in terms of, um, siblings, but we spoke with some researchers at the DRI and right after Issa was diagnosed, we visited the DRI and, uh, they said, you know, this is an area that hasn't been researched and would be great, you know, for you to be able to do that. So yeah. we think of trial net as being something like that, where we're helping aid research. So in the future, you know, this is benefiting others, not just us. Right. Yeah. I, we did the same thing with our son is, I mean, Arden's almost 11, but our son Cole is 15 and, and we took him as well. And he was older and, you know, he really didn't see the need for it. Um, mm -hmm. But, but we told him, we explained the same way, like this is going to be beneficial for other people who have type one, it'll aid research. Mm -hmm. he, he was also negative And I, I'll tell you completely without any embarrassment, like I opened the letter at the mailbox and I couldn't even stop from crying before I could get back in the house that, you know, it was just so relieved. Like you said, the yeah. test happens and then there's a couple of months of a wait in there. But I do think, you know, it's a, it's free. It, you can mm -hmm. set it up through your endocrinologist and if, if it's something you're comfortable doing, it, it, it does take a huge weight off too because, you know, if Cole would come home from school and I thought he was urinating five seconds too long in the bathroom. You know, I, I, I have snuck in his bedroom at night and tested <laughs> his blood sugar. And that's a specter that I enjoy not living with anymore. So trial net, if anybody, I'll put, I'll put a link in the show notes. It's, uh, it's really great. Mm -hmm. um, so you have a blog. How long after Isabella's diagnosis did you launch a blog and why did you launch the blog? Although I've looked at the blog and I think I know the answer, but go ahead and tell me. <laughs> um, well, we started off, we actually started off in the social media realm or the DOC with, um, we started a Facebook page and a Twitter account short, right after Issa was diagnosed within two weeks, I would say we started those things because we, we had started putting together a walk team for, remotely for JDRF of Northeast Ohio, even though we weren't here, our family and friends walked on behalf of Issa. And then shortly after that, we decided we wanted to have a website with a blog that we could in a way, um, I think for us, in a, in a lot of ways, it's more therapeutic for Greg and I mm -hmm. to be able to just talk about what's happening in our lives and things, challenges, and also hurdles that we've overcome with type one with ESA. Um, sometimes the blog posts, I think we get very personal. Sometimes I think um, we approach things in a way that other people may not be as comfortable sharing things like, like when Issa was hospitalized. Um, but for us, I've, the number of emails and messages I've gotten from other moms for me, and I know Greg has had the same from dads that say, you know, you said exactly what, what I would like to say, you know, or, or I, I forwarded your blog post on this to, you know, my friends or my family so they could understand because, you know, unless you're really going through it, it's that. And I think that's why, you know, the DOC has, there are so many of us in the, you know, diabetes online community that are connecting with each other because we didn't know anybody with type one, you know, when we were, when ESA was diagnosed, we didn't know anybody with right. kids with type one. So if you can't just go and, you know, talk to a neighbor and say, Hey, you know, so did you have some lows in the night? You know, <laughs> there's not, there's nobody really to talk to the, about those things. And so I've written it, down some verbal cues. When I ask these questions, please respond accordingly. So I feel like I am speaking to somebody who exactly. understands what I'm talking about. Right. Exactly. Yeah, and you don't want to get too medical, you know, because yeah. they glaze, glaze over and the glaze we, over happens pretty yeah. quickly. Yeah. And we learned pretty quickly, um, 
you know, and, and this is not a knock against humanity, but I mean, we've, we've learned pretty quickly, you know, when people ask, you know, how is she, they don't really don't want the, the long and dirty, you know, they, they really just want to know, is everything okay? Right. And, you know, and as you know, with Arden, sometimes things look perfectly okay on the outside, but we know, you know, that we can look at their CGM and know that the last 24 hours were not okay. You know, I, so, I found a lot of, um, in real life conversations from people who I only knew peripherally to begin with. And they all seemed very interested in the beginning. And then I realized that most of them were just mining information because now that this was a real thing in life to them, they wanted to make sure their kids didn't have any signs. They couldn't just come up and say, Hey, can you tell me what to look for? Because now that I'm thinking about this, I'm mm -hmm. worried. So they almost feigned concern, you know, yeah. to get that information. And, uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, listen, I, I'll say this, a very, one of my closest friends in the whole world uh, was diagnosed when we were probably, I want to say 17 years old. And it was a long, I'm 43 now, so that was a while ago. And I, you know, was very close with my friend, Mike, you know, growing up in, the, in our teens and our 20s until, you know, we got married and our lives, you know, separated a little bit. We still see each other, but of course, not like we did when we were, you know, 22. And even though I was probably with a person who had type 1 diabetes every day, when Arden got it, it didn't even occur to me for weeks that I knew somebody else that had type 1. Mm -hmm. you, you know, and I would find things popping up after I realized, oh, my God, Mike's had diabetes, like, for our entire adult life. And then things would <laughs> pop up, and I didn't know the answer to those questions. Like, you know, a question would come up that I couldn't fathom the answer to. And I thought, how do I not know this? I was with a person who had this going on for so long. That... That simple experience is what allows me to let other people off the hook when mm -hmm. they don't know or when they ask a really stupid or inflammatory question. I just think to myself, like, I didn't know. And, you know, I mean, it's not fair to it's not fair to expect everyone to walk the planet with a working knowledge of every disease that's happening so that right. when they're speaking to you, they can be as you know, they can be soft and gentle with you. It, some people just, you know, you're not going to know. So exactly. And I, and I think that for us, you know, part of, part of what we're trying to do. And I, and then Isabella is the only kid in her preschool, um, that has type one is first kid, only kid. And for me, it's been great because I'll have parents, you know, when we get to they'll get invited, kids will get invited to a birthday party. And they'll, and I love this, that the parents say, you know, is there anything that she can't eat? And you know, and I, I remember listening to your your one of your podcasts about Arden going to the sleepover, and that's the question: What can they not eat? Right away. And um, you know, and I, for me, I even though we know they can have what the other kids are having, but I don't expect the other parents to know that. But what I what I love about the fact that they're asking is that they're at least um, a, you know, they're at least acknowledging that they understand that we have challenges too, you know what I mean? In terms of yep. managing this and that, um, at that moment, so, you know, sometimes I do get parents, you know, that will ask things that on the inside or Greg and I will, will get asked things, not just parents, but people in general, if they see Issa's, um, Omnipod or if, um, her CGM and they'll ask us a question. Um, last summer we had a, we were at a parade and a, a woman sitting behind us tapped Greg on the shoulder and said, is that a bug repellent? On um, and I thought, how cool would that be? And yeah. it was, you know, um, you know, so we, things like that. I actually don't mind when people ask. I like it. And, um, but we've, with our blog, it's been interesting because people have, have told me, you know, 
we've learned so much about this that, and same thing, they realize after, now that they know Isabella has type one, they'll say, Oh, you know, now that I think about it, I grew up with a kid who had type one, you know, or something like that. And, um, a friend of mine from college who we were not close friends, but we were in college at the same time at the same school. She reached out to me after Issa was diagnosed and said, you know, I have type one. And I said, no, I didn't, you know, and so, you know, and this is probably someone that I'm sure at some point saw her, um, you know, checking her with you either. Yeah. Yeah. I just never thought anything of it. It's just, it really is. I understand when people get upset about it, but if you stop and you can take yourself out of the drama and the emotion of the moment of somebody having said something really unfeeling and insensitive to you, there's no real way they would know. You, okay. you know, I mean, in most situations, some people are jerks, but you mm-hmm. know, like you said, most people are just trying to like, Hey, is there anything she can't eat? I just want to, I don't want to do the wrong thing for her. And exactly. Oh, Arden's uh, alarm is going off for her. Gym <laughs> class. Um, and yeah, and I, I believe that too. So, okay. So three little kids all around four years old, can't be easy to take care of one little kid. Definitely can't be easy to take care of two little kids. Sounds like taking care of three little kids, not easy. Give one of them diabetes. Wow. So how do you do that? And do the other two, I mean, at four years old, I don't even know if Arden understood her diabetes. So does Isabella understand what's going on and how much do her siblings understand? Um, it- I, I think of the three of them, we always joke and say that Isabella is four going on 16 because she's, she's definitely our, um, <laughs> she's our, our diva of the, of the kids, but, um, in a good way. I mean, she, her, you know, she, I think has had to mature at a much quicker rate than any, you know, mo- I think it's Absolutely. the same probably for every kid that's diagnosed with something when they're young, they, you know, you learn things, she, you know, she checks her own blood sugar and has since she was three. So, you know, that's something when people see her do it, I think they're a little bit, they're surprised. And then they're also in a lot of ways, I think it's a realization like, wow, this kid has to do things that other, you know, other kids her age don't have to think about. Um, the other two, I would say are definitely in a lot of ways, less mature. You know, they're, they're really, they act much more toddlerish than Mm -hmm. Issa does. Um, in terms of what do they understand? I think, um, a moment that I had in the fall, uh, we were, um, I don't know if we were talking about the, the JDRF walk, Issa and I were talking about something and I, I used the word cure and I said, we're raising them. This is money for the cure, uh, um, you know, for a cure. And she said, what's a cure mom. And at that moment I realized, and I think I, I, I think I wrote a blog post about this, but at that moment I realized she doesn't realize that this is something that she doesn't have to have, you know, right. I, I, and I think for me, that was an extremely emotion. That was one of the most emotional times since she was diagnosed because we, and, and it, an interesting thing is, so, um, Isabella was just chosen to go to the JDRF children's Congress this summer. Congratulations. Thanks. Yeah. Um, which, you know, for us is awesome, you know, and I think for it, I'm, you know, super excited and Greg is super excited and, and Issa is excited, but not for the same reasons we are. And I, we have to put together a short video that'll go up on it. They have, you know, kind of meet the delegates on their website. We have to create this video and we're, I'm struggling with thinking about what to, what to do for the video because it's, it has to be her and she can talk on a video. Um, but I watched some of the ones that have already been posted you know, and it's a lot of the older kids and, um, saying, you know, we want Congress to do this because, you know, we need a cure for this so that I don't have to do this, this, and this. And I think if I, I said to Isa, tell us why you want a cure. 
I don't think she could answer that because I don't think she understands at all yet what that mean, what that would mean for her life. And I think part of the reason she doesn't understand truthfully is because we don't say to her, you know, doesn't, isn't this horrible that you have this? Wouldn't it be great if you didn't, you know, and we don't ever pose it like that to her. So I, I don't think, you know, not that she, not that she, I'm sure she doesn't love having to <laughs> check her blood sugar and all these things, but, um, and we certainly don't love it, but we've never, you know, someone said to me once when Isa, um, or when my, you know, when you're having her check her blood sugar and this is, it, it, there's a semantics thing, instead of saying, let's, let's test your blood sugar, say, let's check your blood sugar because a test you either pass or you don't. And we never want Issa to think, okay, I tested my blood sugar and I failed. You know, this is, this is not a passing mark. So now she, we've never said that. We only say, let's check your blood sugar. Mm-hmm. So I think, you know, we tried to do the same, like when she was on injections, she, she never once, I cannot think of one time pre pump because now when we give her injection, she does cry. If we have to give her an injection, if her pump fails or something, but when she was just on injections, she never cried. And I told myself then, and I I still do this now. I never apologize to her. If she cries, I never say, sorry, I have to do this. Sorry, that hurts. Um, you know, I, I say, Isa, this, you know, you'll be, you'll be fine. You know, you're brave, you're strong. And I try to do that as opposed to focusing on the negative aspects Mm -hmm. of it. But, um, so anyway, but going back to your question about, you know, the other ones understand they, they don't understand. There's been times when, um, her sister Mia, Mia will say, when I'm older, I'm going to have diabetes. And that's like, Oh, (laughs) don't ever, you know, don't say that, (laughs) you know, but she's saying it because I think in a lot of ways, something she doesn't have and and she gets more attention for it and things like that. Yep. It's a jealous, you know, and she's, they're jealous in a certain way because, well, they're jealous until Issa's low and then they get juice and then they're happy, you know? So, um, and they ask all the time, you know, they'll see us checking East. Is she low? Is she low? (laughs) A couple of more years and they're going to have her feign problems so they can get food. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah. exactly. So, um, I don't think, you know, I don't think they realize what it, because they were so young when she was diagnosed. Um, they know, you know, Max has asthma and so he has his own thing. Mm-hmm. Poor me. Poor Mia doesn't have. She doesn't go to the doctor for anything. She so she's, thing. Yeah, yeah. She, she does. She and she actually she went to speech therapy for a little bit, and she used to tell the other two, "I'm going to my doctor today." <laughs> it's like, all right, that's fine. You I know? finally got a copay. Um, exactly. Exactly. So. Well, yeah, I think you know. Listen, I think your reality and my reality and everyone's who's you know who has anything like this going on, anything chronic like this going on, it obviously changes what was going to happen in your life if, you know, if this illness didn't come along. But I don't know that it's, I don't know that it ends up being bad. I think it's just different. You know, Mm -hmm. I mean, your, your three kids will grow up with a different view of the world than they would have had she not been diagnosed. And I don't, that's not going to ruin their lives. It's just going to change it a little bit And, and not necessarily for the worse, just different, you know? Yeah. And I mean, with our life, you know, that we already had, hadn't had sleep in two years. So it was, oh yeah. You'll be dead <laughs> soon. So it won't matter, but yeah. of say, you know, that, but, uh, so that does, I do wonder, um, so your husband, Greg is, I think, do you guys both work out of the home? Uh, no, he, no? he actually works at, yeah, he works outside the home and, and I soon will be, um, I'm moving into an office outside of my home. Okay. So mm-hmm. how do you divide the care? You know, I guess about the diabetes specifically. 
the kids are in preschool full time, um, because we're both working full time, but we, in terms of dividing the care, I would say, you know, during the day, if there are issues at school, they, the school will call me first. Um, and I, and I definitely want to say we've been really blessed that we found a school that one was up to the challenge of helping manage. uh, They were willing to do it. Oh yeah. And I can tell you when we moved back to the U S us from Mexico, we contacted several schools and, you know, as illegal as it may be, there were schools that (laughs) that said, you know, we we, we can't take her, you know, we, and we actually had a school that said, we'll take your other two, but not her. (laughs) We'll take the asthma kid and the kid with the list, but uh, the other one we don't want. Exactly. Um, and so, hello. I I lost you for a second. Hold on one second. Hello. Okay. Hold on. Let me see if I can get you back. I'm not sure what happened there. Say something. Hello. Oh, that's good. Okay. Um, but when, so when we, you know, when we were looking for schools, we were, this particular school that they're at, they were, I'm not going to say they were, you know, very much like, yes, we'll, we'll take you, you know, right. but they said, you know, we know, we know nothing about this. If you educate us and you train us on this, then yes, we, we're absolutely willing to, you know, to have your family as part of our family. That's great. And so we've, we've, the amount of support we've had from her, their school has been amazing. So during the day, um, and, and I should mention, Issa started on her pump about a month after she started at this school. So initially, I would go to the school and do her, you know, pre-snack injection or pre-lunch injection. I, you know, I was driving back and forth. It's only about ten minutes from our house, but still. Oh, wow, yeah. um, and so, since she started on the pump, I trained them on her on her Omnipod, and and so they do all of that at school. And then, in terms of management at home. Um, Isa has the pod and the CGM. And for, for me, I I've never minded the pump changes for the site changes. That doesn't bother me at all. But for some reason, the CGM changes, I I've done it maybe twice. I don't even know if I've done it twice. Um, it's for me, for some reason, it's really difficult for me to do the, the Dexcom changes. And I think it's just, um, because I can see the needle in the, in the window. Um, so did you, what, what you use it? Um, what insulin pump are you using? Omnipod. Omnipod. Don't ever open it up because you can see the needle in there too. That might I'm, ruin it for you. I'm never going to do Yeah, okay. never. Um, so, so in terms of like, you know, balancing, Greg always does the CGM changes. And if it means there was a time he was out of town for work. So Issa went two or three days without the CGM. That's how kind of afraid that I, I'm not afraid I'm going to hurt her. She doesn't cry or anything um, right. when she has her CGM site change, but I, for some reason, for me, it's just, I'm terrified. Um, but the, the pod changes, we just, whoever's there, yeah, when it, when it's like beeping at us, that's, that's who changes it. Um, in the nighttime duties, we've always taken turns. Um, and we've always said, okay, I'll do, you know, 1230, you do 230, you know, we will just, we talk about it. And the, obviously with the CGM, it's been nice because we, we've had nights where we can sleep through the night, you know, and not to say that that happens all the time, but it's more than it was before. Sure, sure. Um, and it's just, you know, like we'll check each other and ter- like when we're going out somewhere, I always keep Issa's kit in my purse and Greg, without fail, we get in the car. Greg says, do you have Issa's kit? I mean, it's one of those things, you know, we just always are, are doing that. He makes all the changes on the pump settings. Like when we send the numbers to the endo, they send them back. He likes to look at the trends and the, and all of those kinds of things. Not that I don't, but, um, you know, she gets home from school and Greg will say, you know, how was Issa's day at school today? And truthfully, unless her CGM is alarming at me, I actually don't look at it till, <laughs> till probably dinner time. Right, sure. Just because I trust that if, 
you know, if something was going on, I, they would have told me at school or, you know, or whatever, but, um, but he likes to look at the numbers and he's a numbers guy. And so, and he's very, um, just much more, uh, structured in things. Whereas I, I think, you know, I like to take more risks probably with things. I don't like her numbers being high. Um, he doesn't want them to be too low. Not that I want them to be low, but I, I'd like to, to be able to keep her a little bit lower than she's, than she is. And she had her, you know, for us is really hard because we're both kind a little bit of perfectionist and her recent, most recent A1C was probably was the worst since her diagnosis. And there's a lot of reasons I think we could, you know, certainly point fingers at a lot of different things, but, um, we sat down after that appointment and said, okay, this is what we have to do. These are the changes we got to make. And I can tell you for the last two weeks since that appointment, um, yesterday, I would say uh, for for example, her she was in range almost the entire day, which was like, oh my gosh, I can't yeah. believe that just happened. You know, so I, I, listen, so, Arden's you know, we're, I, Arden's A one C is is really good, and it has been for a while. But mm-hmm. I I hope people know that, that she spikes probably twice a day on an average mm-hmm. day. Like I, I I wonder when people hear, you know, a great A one C in their mind, you know, do they think it's just this flat Dexcom line that's rolling right along, at like you know, a <laughs> hundred and five or twenty four hours a day? Because it's certainly it's not like that. You know, Arden's last A1C was 5.9 and her blood sugar, her blood sugar was 380 this weekend. So, you know, we, we had a a problem with technology and kind of a a breakdown and her blood sugar shot up and it took a while to bring back down, even though I was super aggressive with it. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I, I always wonder if people think that like, and, and actually it's the same thing with like, I learned a long time ago from a woman named Michelle who reads my blog, she said to me one time, she goes, sometimes I can't read your blog because it makes me feel like a failure. Mm. And I really didn't understand that. And then I went back and looked and I realized I had a propensity to talk about things going well. Mm-hmm. And I wasn't talking as much about things that didn't go well. And she really helped me because now, I mean, not that I wasn't being transparent in the beginning, but now it was even more so like, you know, before I would think like, oh, nobody wants to be bummed out by this. But now I realize what people want to hear is, oh, well, that happens to you, too. That's good to know. You you, you know, so um, so, you know, I just wrote a blog post the other day that, that talks about this, you know, her blood sugar was really high and it took a while to come down. But here was the kind of the good stuff that came out of it. Like she hadn't Arden was uh, supposed to go to the mall with her friend at three o'clock. Yeah. And she asked me around noon and I was like, yeah, sure. And then, you know, right after that, it was just a, it was a hellstorm of like diabetes things went wrong. Like her, her insulin pump was coming towards the end of its 72 hours. So it was probably, the site was probably getting a little weak. And then out of nowhere, like literally out of nowhere, her blood sugar just shoots up and it goes up so fast, which is not something that normally happens, but it goes up so fast. It confuses the Dexcom. It goes to three question marks. We don't, we don't have, (laughs) now I don't have a Dexcom. And now I'm like, do I bolus? Do I inject? Do we change a pod? And we're doing all these different things. Well, by the time three o'clock came around, the technology was half back. We had a new pump on, but the CGM was still all kinds of flaky. And I said, I think when your blood sugar comes back down, this is going to come back. So we're just going to wing it. But I still sent her out the door to the mall at three o'clock. She got in the car with a person who doesn't know that much about diabetes. Mm-hmm. I explained to her, look, I've set some timers in her cell phone. When they go off, she needs to talk to me. We're going to probably test while she's at the mall a couple of times. And she came home, you know, with her blood sugar near 100 a couple hours later. Like it just, it didn't, mm-hmm. like I didn't like put my head down and go, uh-oh, you know, like I guess because we're all screwed. Like I just was mm-hmm. like, all right, we're going to keep living. Here we go. Mm-hmm. And yeah. um, 
and so you know it really was it really was it's a good lesson and and now i share stuff like that too so I'm going to, because I'm going to talk to Greg next. This is going to be kind of a, a special episode where I'm going to talk to you and then talk to Greg. I'm mm-hmm. going to ask you a couple of questions and I'm going to get you to switch over and, and get Greg on. So okay. sort of like, I guess sort of like newlyweds, the newlywed game style, right? Okay. Just answer the question <laughs> and then I'm going to ask him how you answered and vice versa. So first off, who's better at counting carbs? What will he say and what is the real answer? Ooh, um... Greg will say that I am better at counting carbs. And the real answer is a lot of times I average, I mean, or not average, I round up and whereas he would round down. So, uh-huh. <laughs> uh, but I would say he, he's probably going to say I'm better at counting the carbs. Okay. So the, so the, so the real answer is that. I am, but it's a farce. No, I'm just kidding. It, it's far, it, because, because, because I do the same thing. Like I count the carbs usually. And then I go, this is kind of carb heavy. Just add more. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah, you know, like let's just do a little more or bump up your basil for an hour while we're at it. Because I don't know that you've ever eaten this and not gone a little high. Like, but he's more like by the book, like what the doctor said, what the numbers tell him to do. Yes. Okay. Mm-hmm. So, so that I'm clear, because I am making notes, he, <laughs> he's going to say you. Uh-huh. But the answer probably is him. And you're uh-huh. just you're fudging and adding extra insulin that's working yeah. out. <laughs> so is the real yeah. answer neither of you are any good at counting carbs? <laughs> <laughs> no, I would say, you know, I mean a great example is so we have a food scale, you know, that truthfully, I, I have no really you have no idea how to use it. I'd have to get the manual out to use it. That <laughs> okay. sounds terrible. But in no, reality, no. Issa doesn't she she really like she's not a big um, for example, like a big blueberry eater or anything like that. Like she's, we're not measuring out things like that. Most of the things she's eating, I can easily figure out what the carb counts are on them without having to do the scale. He would bust out the scale. So it just depends on, you know, so I I don't know if that, you know, in terms of accuracy, probably him. So, so the next question I probably know the answer to then who's got the magic swag, like who can, who can just look at a high blood sugar and be like, I don't care what the, I don't care what the PDM says a unit and a half is going to fix this. Me. That would be you. Okay. Uh, for sure. For the same reason. Gotcha. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, which one of you handles do, – do you – how do you handle the diabetes stress? Do one of you do a better job? Like is there – like does one of you go for a run? Does one of you like rant and rave in a, in a room privately or or do you guys handle together? Do you actually get together and talk? How would you say you work through the stress that comes with it? Um, I, I would say we definitely talk about about the stressful things. Um, there, there've been, you know, a couple of, couple of good cries that we've had since diagnosis. Not a lot. doesn't happen often. It's more, I'd say we both get angry about, about the diabetes more than we get like upset, like sad. Um, we don't let those kind of like the process of handling it, get us down. Mm -hmm. Usually we both have the attitude of, this was a challenge. Let's, what are we going to do about it? You know, let's, let's do it. And I think that's part of the reason, like why we started the inspired by Isabella blog, you know, the Facebook, all that stuff was because we said, you know, I'm not just going to sit here. We both do things like run and, and exercise and those kinds of things to try to, you know, try to take care of ourselves too, which I think a lot of families, I imagine, you know, post-diagnosis, you kind of forget about yourself yeah. and, you know, and you kind of, in a way you have to, you know, there, there are certain priorities you have to make, but after a while that you gotta can get it back or it'll absolutely, yeah. I wrote it. I wrote those words yesterday that I can't be here for Arden if I'm not here. 
Exactly. So, yeah, yeah I, have to, I have to, you have to find a balance. Okay, uh, last question. How can you tell when Greg is stressed about diabetes? Does he have a, <laughs> a, does he have a tell that you can share with me? Like he doesn't like come in the bedroom in women's underwear or something like that. And you're no. like, oh, wow, it's really getting to him. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, What's his tell? It's all right if you don't know. He might know yeah. yours, that's all. Oh boy, I love the. Yeah, I can't wait. <laughs> what he says about my mine, I because I I I tend to internalize things right. much more than he does, um, and so I'll you know I'll keep stuff in, and then it just kind of like snap, you know, and and I'll just it'll just all come bubbling out, you know, like ah, and right. this happened and this, you know, um, and which you know a lot of times he'll say you have to, you know, you got to get that out, you know, you right. just, maybe we uh, could let it out slowly instead of all at once. <laughs> exactly, and and I, I am the first one to say that I will take out things that I'm angry about with the diabetes. I will take that out on Greg, not not blaming him, but I will get angry and snap about other things. About they else. have nothing to do with nothing at all to, you know, like just, I don't know, really just random things, you no, know? No, I understand. Um, the color of the kitchen's wrong. It's your to- fault. To- yeah, totally. I told you and, seven years ago when we built this house, this wasn't the yes. right color. Right, right, right. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm that, I'm that way with, with handling the stress, whereas he'll, it, he doesn't do that as much. He'll let it out right. and cool. say when he's mad. Cool. Christina, listen, you are fantastic. We're right up on like Thanks. 45 minutes. So I want to spend like 15 minutes with Greg. Okay. And, um, is he, is he nearby? He is. I will go get him. Okay. Okay, hold on. Yep, I'll be here. So by now, you're accustomed to me coming on at some point during an episode and letting you know that if you're enjoying the Juice Box podcast, I would really appreciate it if you could go to iTunes and either rate or leave a written review of the show. And a lot of you have done that so far, which I really appreciate. And I wasn't kidding that it helps the, the podcast. So far, the podcast is ranking very high in the new and noteworthy category in health, which is really exciting. And it's not just exciting, it's drawn the attention of some companies who might want to uh, place an ad on the show, which is great because of your listening, I've got to move the show to a different server that's going to cost me some money. So these ads are going to really help offset that cost. It's all very exciting. So keep reviewing, please keep leaving great reviews for the podcast. But I want to remind you that in the near future, if you hear this music, it means you are listening to an ad. I never want there to be any confusion when this music is playing, whatever I'm saying, I've been paid to say to you. And I'll also be very clear that, you know, that you're listening to an ad. So let's just do an example ad. Now, some of you might know I wrote a book. Um, let's pretend that my publisher bought an ad on the podcast for the book. Hey, everyone, this week, the Juice Box podcast is sponsored by Spry Publishing and their book, Life is Short, Laundry is Eternal, Confessions of a Stay-at-Home Dad by Scott Benner. That was weird saying because I am Scott Benner. Life is Short, Laundry is Eternal is the Mom's Choice Award winner for contemporary families, and it's available at Amazon.com, BarnesandNoble.com, or in any bookstore. Uh, Let me read you a reader review. Let me just go here to Amazon. I'll click around. And um, I recently had the pleasure of sitting down with Scott Benner's inaugural book, Life is Short, Laundry is Eternal. There are a lot of books out there claiming to have the answers to parents' insecurities about how to best raise their children, and many of them come off as pedonic, wow, that's a big word, and sanctimonious, turning most readers immediately off. Benner's book does the exact opposite. From the first chapter, I was pulled into the book and couldn't put it down. As a pediatrician, well, this one's from a pediatrician. As a pediatrician and a parent myself, I strongly recommend this book to anyone looking for a fun but poignant read. That's really nice. Um, that's it. So that's pretty much how the ads are going to go. And, you know, 
I'll probably relate something personal to them. If it's an ad about something that we use at home, the music will end and the show will go back on. All right, that's pretty much it. Hey, buy my book. Christina's gone now, and now her husband Greg is back, and we're going to do our first kind of like split interview. So, Greg, how are you? I'm great. How are you? Excellent. Thank you. I really appreciate you doing this. So, Christina got the lion's share of the hour, um, which you didn't sound surprised by when we were in the handoff. <laughs> um, no, she uh, she can talk for a while, so not surprising <laughs> at all. Well, she did a good job, and she answered a lot of my questions, but I do have a couple of specific ones. I don't want to put you on the spot, but you are... You are a couple who who is dealing with type one with their child, and you guys are really co-parenting it, right? You're, the care is fairly evenly divided between the two of you. Would you say so? Yeah, I would say so. I mean, um, you know, Christina has the—I uh, don't know if it's the benefit or the—I uh, I guess I'll call it that—of working from home mm-hmm. at the moment. So, you know, she gets to spend more time with the kids, which sometimes isn't a great thing because we have triplets. Not only do we deal with type one, but we have triplets, as I'm sure she talked about. And, uh, but, you know, so she tends to be with the kids more, um, you know, when they get home from school and, and I get home from work later. So, um, but I would say we definitely have a, you know, very much of a team based approach to how we deal with it. Yeah. Christina described like overnight, like you'll, one of you will take one time and one of you will take a different time. And, 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 and that sort of thing, which is, is really cool. Now in, in our family, there was a moment where my wife and I just said to each other, like the handoff was, was really problematic. Like, you know, like just saying to somebody like I'd been watching this for the last eight hours. Now it's your turn. <laughs> and the, the conversation around what had happened over the last eight hours would take so long that it was, so, it was often just like, you know what, why don't you just keep doing it? Because, you know, <laughs> it, it's, it's difficult and it's valuable information to have. Like, how did she react to insulin four hours sure. ago? Right. You know? So in here, like my wife is completely capable. I've left for a week at a time and gone and done things. And she's, you know, she's completely more than capable. Mm-hmm. But we keep it a little more heavy on my side because I'm a stay-at-home dad and I'm here. Yeah, yeah. So my, my question is, um, is how do you do – you, do you find that it's working for you like this? Or are there times when you think, wow, this – it, this isn't like how we shoot. Maybe one of us should be more involved than the other one. Well, I think uh, that's a good question. And I, although I said we take a very much of a team-based approach to this and have since the beginning, mm-hmm. because of what I said about you know my work schedule, the fact that Christina works from home, um, you know, so she spends more time with the kids during the week than I do. And you know, not that I enjoy that, but right. no, sure. uh, just by default, that's how it works out. And so there's times when. I feel like I'm not as involved as I should be or would like to be. Um, but I think as far as the team-based approach, I don't, I couldn't see it any other way. Um, you know, although we try to split the duties there, I will be open and say that Christina definitely is up more at night during the week than I am just right. because, um, you know, I got to get up and go to work in the morning. Right, not that she doesn't, that. but um, she's not having to go to an office environment you where, know, where somebody can look at you and say you're late if you walk yeah, in late. Or right. you look very tired today. You know, she's, she works on her own schedule. So she has that, that benefit. Yeah. Um, but as far as the team based approach, I, I really couldn't see us handling it any other way. Even when let's say I'm, you know, in charge or, or whatever, I'll call it that we consult with each other. You know, we ask each other's opinions and thoughts about, well, she's going to eat this. How many how many um, carbs do you think she needs, or how many units of insulin? So we definitely 
consult with each other and and take very much of a team-based approach so for my next question i kind of need to know how how old are you guys uh, we jumped. are both 37, okay. although I am the younger 37. She's two days older than okay, me. Okay, so it's not it's not like you're a completely different generation for me. I would, I'll tell I'm going to tell you a story that when we Arden was diagnosed out of town, but when we got home, we had our first endo appointment. We went in, we did all the stuff that you would expect, and at the end mm-hmm. of the appointment, the endocrinologist says, "Can you send the kids out? I need to talk to you and your wife." And I was like, oh, my God, this day just keeps getting better. So, the, you know, so the, you know what, what is she going to tell us now? Like, you know, and so she sure. – what could she not say in front of the kids? So right. the kids go out. She looks at us very matter-of-factly and says, listen, um, the rate of divorce in America is one and two. But when you have a chronically ill child, it goes to two and three. You should, go, you should seek counseling. That's what she said. And I was like, <laughs> oh, good. I was like, that's great. You, you know, and, yeah. and then she – before we could kind of talk, because we were a little dumbfounded, but we're in the Northeast, so, you know, we're not not, you know, ready for when people are very blunt. But mm-hmm. she goes on and she says, she looks right at my wife like I'm not in the room. <laughs> I swear to you, Greg, like right past me. And she goes, listen, here's what I've seen. And she goes on to tell us about that it's human nature that when things in your life don't go the way you expect, that sometimes you want to cut bait and run. And that it's more prevalent with men than women. Mm-hmm. And she's looking at my wife like I'm not there. And she says, it's very possible he'll become disinterested with the kids and not help with this at all. And I was like, hey, what the hell? Like, you, you know, like, because because we don't have that. Because I was, I mean, by that point, Arden's, Arden's, you know, two years old. And, mm-hmm. you know, I've been a stay-at-home dad by that point for like eight years. So, mm-hmm. so my wife kind of looks at her and goes, look, if one of us is going to run, and I'm not saying I'm going to, it might be me <laughs> before him, you know. He, right. He's just much more involved with the kids every day. And she just said, Yo, you know, I'm sure it'll work out great for you, but be very aware. So your story is is a lot like mine in that you're both really involved. But at the same time, it's so different than what you see people online talking about. There are so many moms who are married who talk about their husbands not being interested or they won't, you know, they won't try to learn. And I always think when you, I see people talk about it like it's, they don't care. But man, Mm -hmm. when I hear the stories, it almost makes me feel like they're just scared or they don't want to screw something up. Like how do do you feel like that fear sometimes do you um, feel like your wife has a better handle on it just because she's as well yeah, as mom I, I mean i would say at times i feel she has a better handle on it than i do and you know as far as from the beginning carb counting and all of that I, and i'm a finance guy so it's not that numbers are difficult for me mm-hmm. although i'm not the best at math in my head i'll be honest and say that um but you, you know i think from the beginning she seem to have a better handle on all of that than I did. Okay. And she's, a, you know, she is much more um, willing to go, I'll say, overboard with the, uh, you know, add more carbs. So uh, Isabella wears a, an Omnipod. Right. Um, which I believe Arden does. She does. As yeah. well. Okay. Um, in any case, so you know, as far as giving her, I'm worried about giving her too much insulin and, mm-hmm. and her dropping very low. And Christina's much less worried about that. Does she have? Uh, a, she has a CGM though, right? She wears the Dexcom. She does, yeah. And you yeah. haven't found comfort yet that that'll catch it. Um, not yet. No, no. it'll come. Like yeah. I really, I really believe it will. <laughs> so it, it's interesting you're talking about this because I asked, 
I asked Christina some um, newlywed game type questions, so I'm gonna <laughs> I'm gonna ask them to you now, right? Okay. So, sure. Who do you think is better at counting carbs, you or Christina? Oh, Christina, without a doubt. Okay. Who do you think she's? <laughs> do you think that's what she said? Yes. Ah. Now, now it's funny. <laughs> is that what she said? She did, but she she <laughs> prefaced it by saying she doesn't know if she's actually better at it because she she just kind of pads it a little bit. Yeah. Um, no, that's right. Yeah, yeah. And so yeah, I told so her. Usually, what I will do is so we've got you know some go to meals for the kids. Mm-hmm. Is, you know, we've got triplets, so um, meal planning, especially if Christina's out of town or something. I've got a handful of go to meals that I use. And we keep kind of a sheet, a cheat sheet on the refrigerator, mm-hmm. and you know I'll go to that and say, okay, this, you know, mac and cheese is this many carbs, and plug that in. Um, and I will generally use the carb count as you know per the servings. Whereas Christina would say, well, in the morning I know that this, um, you know, this food makes her go higher, so I'm going to give her a lot more insulin than you know just what the carbs would suggest. Right. Where I'm less likely to do that. Because of a fear of a low. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So let me let me share this with you. Arden has had, when she was much younger, she had two different seizures because I gave her too much insulin. Yeah. Um, now, there was no Dexcom. These were just injections. <clears throat> sure. And and the first one was, you know, oh, my God, call an ambulance. You know, we've got, we've got my son, like, on the phone. He's, like, six years old making a phone call to 911, and we're on the floor <laughs> trying to figure everything out. And right. it's the first time I realized I wasn't really paying attention when they told us about how to use the glucagon. And my wife's using, um, you know, gel in her cheek, and she wakes sure. up. And we still go to the hospital, but we didn't need to go to the hospital. She was okay. Yeah. And, yeah. and the second time it happened, we were in Disney, and it was the first time we'd, after she'd been diagnosed, we were ever out in the real like heat of the day for like an entire day. And we're walking home back to the hotel at the end of the night. And there's this woman selling these giant popsicles. And I remember looking at her ahead of me and thinking like, turn, go away. Like, <laughs> you know, like what the, please, no. Right. And Arden's like, can I have one of those? And I'm like, yeah, of course. <laughs> Why would you not get one of those? And so I gave it to her. We found out how many carbs were in it. We gave her insulin for it. And an hour and a half later, she's asleep in our hotel room. And we hear the the unmistakable sounds of grunting that come from a seizure, which I, yeah. hope, I hope you'll never hear. Yeah. So there's this craziness where Kelly's holding her and I'm trying to squeeze the, the, the glucose gel, but I forget to take the foil thing off the front. So, sure. so yeah. the corner of the tube breaks open and it's this like jet stream, laser jet stream of like glucose gel shooting on the ceiling of the, of the <laughs> hotel room. So I don't even bother. Like I just flip it around and use the corner to squirt the, you know, the gel yeah. into her mouth. We get it all done. You know, seizure stops. We put her back in bed. My brother was traveling with us who had, when we looked over, when it was over, my wife and I are laughing about the glucose gel on the wall and the ceiling. My brother is curled up in a corner, like <laughs> like he wanted to jump Shaking out the window, but he couldn't figure out how to open it, you know. And and so I don't want to say it's not super serious because having a, a seizure from too much insulin is incredibly serious. Right. But sure. even even that, the second time we were like, oh, all right, like like you know, like we know how to yeah. do this. And I will tell you. I know Christina didn't give me a number, but she said that Isabella's A1C wasn't where she wanted it last time. Yes. Or, and and I will tell you that um, the first step to a lower A1C for us was getting an Omnipod. And the second step was um, getting a Dexcom and being able to like be aggressive with insulin. Sure. The third, yeah. step, the third step was cutting out some foods. Mm-hmm. But, but really the last step was just like 
trusting, you know, yeah, trusting not, not the next guy. And she, yeah. she, I just told Christina, she 5.9 last time she was tested. Wow. That's, so that's amazing. That's it, awesome. I would say be bold. Like, yeah. I know it's hard for you because she, she said you're a little type A. Maybe that's not easy. She, she, she also said she <laughs> might be. A, she said she, that I'm a little type yeah, yeah, she might have been being polite. I could hear it in her voice. <laughs> but um, but I think that's – it's just great advice. I had that exact conversation with our endo last time. You know, she's like, I don't know how you did a 5.9 over Christmas. She's like, that's really great. Like, we didn't just do 5.9, but we went down over Christmas. Yeah. And I said, I am just as bold with insulin as you could be. And she said, that's my biggest leap is to get people not to be afraid of insulin. Yeah. And yeah. so it comes, man. It really does. Like, you're not doing anything wrong. You know, it's just – that's a real – insulin's a serious thing. And it could really, you know, hurt or kill your daughter. Yeah, I, definitely. And I think for me, it's – um the fear, and definitely for me, this is a bigger fear than Christina. Not that she's not afraid of this, but you know, I get more worried about the overnight lows. Sure. And you know, even with the Dexcom, um, because there was a time uh, several months ago, sometime last year, when she, Isabella ended up being high all night. And even with the Dexcom, because um, we haven't found yet how. So once the Dexcom alerts you that she's high, and then you go and you check it. Right. And, uh, and then if she continues to be high, it, we found that it doesn't alert us again. So maybe it's a setting we need to yeah, change. You, gotta, you change this, you have to change the snooze. Yeah. Which I think we've done. I still can't get it to work right. But in any case, so this particular night she was high all night, she woke up and she immediately said, I'm not feeling well. And, and she got sick. And that was our, uh, first, uh, well, the last first and last trip to the hospital with right. DKA. DKA. And now that was the opposite. That was a high, um, level, you know, all night. But I would say I'm less concerned about her going high because, you know, the easy way to correct that is give her insulin and she sure. comes back down. If she's low, it's just, you know, it's not getting, you know, low, say, you know, below 80 or 70, it's getting to into the twenties or something like I, that. Listen, I completely understand and I completely agree with you. Yeah, yeah absolutely. <laughs> I, I, I 100% do. Plus not only that, you can have all the alarms and bells and whistles and you know, um, you know, share to give me one second. I got to, yep. uh, I got to text Arden. She's going to about to get on the bus at school. Um, you know, and the share to stuff, you know, sure. all that, but still I don't wake up every time I hear that thing. Yeah. I, oh, I, 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 I sleep through, I can sleep through a train coming through the yeah. room. So. Well, and that's why people say, why do you stay up when Arden's blood sugar is tenuous? I stay up yeah. because once I fall asleep, yeah. I fall, listen, I am not proud of this. You could put my entire family in a car after 11 p.m. on a long highway and say yeah. to me, Scott, if you're not careful, we're all going to die. I could still fall asleep while I'm driving. Right. Like, you know, like once I'm asleep, like like you're saying, I'm really asleep. Yeah. So frankly, that concerns me. Absolutely. You know, if you were to drop low overnight and I, I slept through the alarms, I would just be I understand. I feel terrible. Yeah. I, I feel the exact same way. Um, and we did we did just get and I don't know if Christina spoke about this, but we just got yesterday it arrived the uh, share. So we're going to um, get that set up and I'm, I'm looking forward to that. And hopefully, you know, it gives me a little more comfort. You got the share too, the one. But yes. That, yeah, uh, yeah. Way do you say it's a real you're going to love it. I mean, just for not getting out of bed, Greg, wait till you hear the beeping and you look at your phone on your nightstand and it says yeah. like 120 and you're like, boom, perfect. And you realize <laughs> you didn't have to wake completely up and you didn't right. have to walk across the house and bump into a wall. Yeah. It's, it's worth its weight in gold just for that. I think. Yeah. I'm um, to it. well, listen, it's, it's really interesting to hear that two people are, are so involved and yet they have kind of two different 
you know, you're, I mean, you guys are both at a different point with the diabetes right now. Mm-hmm. That's all there is to it. You, I'm listening to you. You're a bright guy. It's obviously at some point you're going to get comfortable with it and you'll probably be more aggressive like Christina is. But for the moment, it hasn't, it's taken you longer to get to that spot. And yet, and yet you guys are still doing a really great job of like, of, of co-parenting this. Like, does it, does it freak you out when you see Christina being like heavy handed with the insulin? Like, do you stand off in the corner going like, Oh my God. <laughs> or do you think, well, she's got it. Like when she has it, it's okay. No, I, you know, I might think that, uh, for one second, but I know that she, she knows what she's doing. So she's, I know that she's got a, a full handle on it. Um, and we may at times, you know, have different ways of dealing with it. But at the end of the day, we, we trust each other and, um, and, you know, we don't, definitely don't blame each other if something doesn't go as we thought because as as you know it's not always going to go the way you plan it to absolutely no matter no matter how you deal with it um how aggressive or not aggressive you are it's just not going to go the way you expect it to all the time so we don't blame each other for that you know we um we trust each other and i think that's definitely key let me ask you if it wasn't for type one do you think you'd still live do you think you'd be in the U.S. or do you think you would still live outside the U.S.? Uh, good question. You know, Isabella was diagnosed when we were in Mexico. And um, and I think, you know, for a variety of reasons, we decided to come back to the U.S. And I think that probably had a big part in our decision. Right. Not that it was, you know, the fact that mm-hmm. diabetes came into our life, but just came into our decision-making process. We had been away for five years um, shortly after my, uh, after Isabella was diagnosed. So she was diagnosed the end of August and we came home for Christmas that year and we're visiting with our family and found out that my mom had uh, breast cancer. She had just been diagnosed oh, and was going to be going through treatment. Um, she's fine by the way, oh, she's, good. uh, uh, completely recovered, which is great. And all of the, you know, the combination of that, the fact that we've been away for so long and with our kids starting to get, you know, a little bit older, we just wanted to be back closer to family. And um, so I don't know. Maybe I think, yeah, it's hard to say, but I think we probably would have ended up back here at some point. So um, I asked Christina how how she knows you're under stress from diabetes. And I don't think she had a real clear answer, but she definitely (laughs) had one about how you would know when she was. So... Um, I, I don't think it's specific enough for me to ask you a newlywed style question, but what she, what she told me was, is that she'll start flying off the handle about oh, absolutely yeah. nothing. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Now that can happen. I mean, you know, with the three kids, so we've got three, four and a half year olds in the house. Right. And you can imagine what that like is like at times. Yeah. Um, and so when you, you've got that already and then you throw in type one diabetes and everything that comes along with that and lack of sleep. Which oh, yeah. Christina, by the way, handles. I don't know how she does it. And even when you know before diabetes, when the kids were babies, you she, know, she would it. operate with very little sleep, and she would be fine. I would be a complete uh, wreck, you know. Yeah, yeah. Before diabetes, <laughs> the before diabetes, the no sleep thing, it was killing me. Yeah, and I, it was all it was on my shoulders because I was a stay at home, and I wasn't good at it. After diabetes, I mean. I really have pulled it together. And for the first, I would say like five or six years, I actually thought I had figured out life. Like I said to my wife, I'm like, (laughs) I apparently don't even need sleep. Like I'm superhuman. (laughs) And now I look at pictures of me like two years ago and I'm like, that thinner guy looks more (laughs) well-rested than I feel, you know? And, and it it did, I mean, I'm not going to lie. Like I couldn't keep it going my whole life. It really did. It caught up with me. Oh yeah. I mean, it's, uh, 
you, you might be able to get through your days, but it, it definitely catches up with you. I feel foggy some days. Like there's times when, when I'll sit down to write and I'm like, I can't even, like, I can't even think enough to, yeah. to form a thought. Like it really is something. But, and so I've been taking better care of myself recently just because, I mean, it just really dawned on me. Like I, I said to Christina earlier, like I can't be here for Arden if I'm not here in general. Sure. You, you, yeah. You know. And I think that is a very important point that, you know, we've always been, uh, very active and, you know, I think we both recognize that we're operating with very little sleep. You know, we've got a lot of stress in our lives to begin with, with, you know, three toddlers running around the house mm -hmm. with, with much more energy than we have. And with type one diabetes in the mix, you know, if we don't take care of ourselves and exercise and find ways to reduce our stress, then, you know, we're going to, we're going to be in much worse shape. Yeah, so. yeah, it'll, it'll go down. It, it'll slide off a cliff before you know it. Yeah. And it's hard to get back up. Exactly. I, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I would tell you that when, when Arden was diagnosed, I gained a fairly significant amount of weight, but I didn't think anything about my eating had changed. Mm -hmm. I think my stress really got to me. And then it was like, then it was like buy an Omnipod, lose 20 pounds, get a Dexcom, lose 20 pounds. Like every time I alleviated some of my stress, I was like, oh, I'm getting closer to who I was before this all happened. Uh, well, Greg, listen, you guys are, are, are really delightful and it was a lot of fun talking. Let me ask you, um, cause you're going to be here at the end of it. What's the blog? What's the, um, how do people find the blog and how do they find you in social media? Yeah. So we have a website, which is inspired by Isabella.com. Uh, we also have a Facebook page inspired by Isabella. We have a Twitter handle, uh, which is inspired by Isa, I-S-A. Mm -hmm. And then uh, a couple of months ago, we started an Instagram account as well, which is also inspired by Isabella. So you can find us in all of those places. Uh, we share, you know, uh, funny stories, pictures of Isabella. And, you know, a lot of what we're doing is just trying to raise awareness, um, you know, not only for Isabella and to share her story, but raise awareness for this disease and help us with fundraising and all of those things. So, yeah, it, that's it's it's also just great that you're a part of the diabetes community and and helping other people is it's it really is difficult to I'm probably going to end up saying it a million times in this podcast, but people write or call or text to thank me for writing something that helped them and I can never properly convey back to them that they're reading it helps me in the exact yeah. same way. And I never find the right words to say <clears throat> it that way, but I'm as buoyed by the fact that they're out there as maybe they are by reading. You know, yeah, I definitely. Shared, so. I, I think, uh, well, Christina certainly writes a lot more than I do on the mm -hmm. blog and, um, I'd like to write more. So I, I hope that I'll be able to do that. And so it is, it's refreshing to get, you know, some of those things off our chest and, and talk about some of the things that either bother us or even just funny stories and share some of that. But we've heard from people as well that say, you know, I've had diabetes for 10 years and I was basically ready to throw in the towel. And I see Isabella, this four-year-old girl, girl smiling and uh, dealing with everything with, you know, a lot of strength and courage. And it's really inspired me. So I'd say that is what you know, keeps us doing this. And you, you know, a lot better than we do that, um, you know, after a few years of writing and posting pictures and all that, it gets, it gets pretty tiring and it's a full-time you know, job. Nobody pays you. Exactly. For. <laughs> be a full-time job. And, um, and so hearing those stories from people about how Isabella's story is inspiring them definitely, you know, keeps us going and, and, and just to share it even more. Yeah. I was sitting on the sofa the other night and I saw some 
saw some news about type one that I didn't see anywhere else in the community. And I was like, I'm on my laptop. And my wife's like, what are you doing? I'm like, oh, I'm putting a blog post together. I'm like, people need to know about this. And she's looking at me and she's like, it's like 1130. And I was like, <laughs> I was like, I, I think people count on this. Like I, I have to, you know? And, and, and so we were laughing a little bit. So look, you had just such a sweet answer. And if I was smart, I'd stop right here and say, this has been, you know, the podcast, but I have one more question, right? Okay, sure. So Greg triplets, was it, IVF or are you just like, do you have super sperm or how did that happen exactly? Well, I'd like to say it's a combination of both. Mm -hmm. Uh, No, but it was IVF. So we, you know, we tried to have kids for probably five years. And then in the middle of all that, we moved to Brazil and decided to to put our plans on hold for a little bit because we were planning to go through IVF back in the U.S. Um, So we actually did that while we were in Brazil. And at the time we were getting ready to move to Argentina. Mm-hmm. So I tell people that our kids were produced in Brazil, but they were born in Argentina. <laughs> um, and really, we were hoping for one. So we you know, hit the jackpot, and it was our first time going through treatment. And so we, you know, we really were hoping for one and didn't, wasn't even sure if that would work. So um, you know, it's, it's been, uh, I would say it's challenging having triplets for sure, but would we would imagine. not change, we would not change anything for the world. No, I'm sure. Listen, maybe you can teach those other two how to do an overnight check and you'll be all set. <laughs> <laughs> I think we're getting close. They definitely are now getting wise to the whole, um, you know, low glucose levels. So they, they kind of are cheering for a low so they Christina can all Christina said that she, they get a juice box then, right? <laughs> I told her, I said, be careful. They're going to start talking Isabella into saying she's low to get snacks. <laughs> Yeah, so they, they'll sometimes argue with us and say, Isabella's low. And we say, no, she's 120. No, she's low. We want juice. <laughs> Damn it. Where are the crackers and the juice? Exactly. Oh, my God. Greg, please um, <laughs> please thank Christina for me. And, and I really appreciate you guys taking the time. And, uh, and I, I mean, keeping up the blog's fantastic. And, and you guys are, are a real inspiration. So I appreciate you coming on and telling people about your life. Yeah, thanks for uh, for you know talking with us and sharing our story, and thanks for doing what you do. I think your your blog and these podcasts are great and uh, different, as we talked about before. So it's uh, it's certainly something that we enjoy seeing. I appreciate it. that's very kind, Greg. Take care. Have a good day. Thank you very much. You too. Bye. Bye. You know, I think this episode really inspired me. I'm going to try real hard this week to record episode 10 of the juice box podcast and take a lot of time to talk about fear and diabetes and being bold with insulin. I think that's a great topic. If you want to learn more about Isabella or read the blog or see where their Facebook page is, anything like that, I will put links back on Juicebox podcast. So go to juiceboxpodcast.com and um, you'll be able to follow it to their Facebook page, their Twitter page and back to their homepage. Isabella is a cute little girl and you're really going to enjoy uh, reading their blog. That's pretty much it. Music for the Juicebox podcast is written and performed by Sydney Muller. And we will be back next week with, um, let's call it, Diabetes and Fear Don't Have to Go Together or something like that. I'll think up a good title later. Goodbye.